go. It's Rumination Tuesday, August the 16th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. With me will be Pastor Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn, A Multitude Comes from the East and the West. Now, the author of that was Magnus Landstadt, who died in 1880, suffered through a difficult and solitary childhood. So this is one of his best hymns and looks past the physical and emotional struggles of his life toward the promised feast to come in the next. The hymn first appeared with seven stanzas in 1861. It received much criticism because of its use of the Norwegian language rather than the conventional Danish, forcing Landstad to revisit the entire project. And that was released in 1869 and found immediate success in the Church of Norway. This hymn also soon found favor in English-speaking churches when a translation by Peter Stromo appeared in the Lutheran hymnary in 1910. This is a great hymn for this coming Sunday. It's the hymn for Proper 16 and Trinity 2. So, Pastor Smith, what's your recollection about this hymn? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we talked a little bit b- uh, before the program. Uh, the idea that it just it just has the east and the west. But if you look, well, and that's because it, I think it's based on the Matthew, uh, the Matthew passage, Matthew eight, and that it there just mentions the east and the west. But if you look at the uh, appointed uh, text for the Sunday, Luke 13, it talks about the east and the west and the north and the south. And also the psalm, Psalm 107, uh, verses nine, uh, 2 to 9, also talks about uh, people coming from the east and the west and the north and the south. I'll give you one other passage about the east and the west. It's Psalm 103, verse 11 and 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Yes, that's, that's a wonderful passage for our forgiveness. That's right, yeah. So you've got a number, number of passages here that are really, really important. What what kind of uh, is interesting is where this really comes from. What particular passage? Are you aware of it? Well, the passage that's uh, provided at the bottom of the page is Matthew 8. But uh, as I said, uh, it's also uh, Luke 13. You have another you have another one in mind, another basis in mind? The one in Luke thirteen 
That's talking about the great banquet, isn't it? No, well, yes, yes, and it talks about the narrow door. Strive to well, enter just the narrow so, door. It just so happens, and I'm surprised they don't have that at the bottom of the page. This hymn is based on Luke 13, verses 15 to 24, the great banquet. Now, remember Jesus talked about that. Here's what it says. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the harvest, uh, for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Another, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly in the streets and lanes of the city, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now that's the parable of the great banquet, Luke chapter 14, 15 and following. And here's my question to you. The people who gave excuses why did God then decide that though they were invited, they would never come to his banquet? Well, they, they, they refused to enter that narrow door. The narrow door is Christ, and he's the only way to heaven. And they had, they had other gods ahead of him. And uh, he, they, you, he will not force us into his kingdom. He welcomes all people. Uh, the gift of salvation is extended to all, all nations, and uh, east, west, north, and south. But he will force nobody. Uh, he calls them by the gospel, and the Holy Spirit works faith in our heart. But he forces no one into his kingdom. But they seem to have good excuses. One guy bought a field. He had to see it. Another bought yoke of oxen. He had to examine them. Another married a wife. Why were they not considered as good excuses? There's no, there's no excuse. <laughs> there's, there is no excuse that's, uh, that's adequate. I mean, but uh, what about these excuses? Why were they not adequate? And this is something I did some time ago on this parable, and we often miss it. Nobody buys a field without seeing it first. Nobody buys five yoke of oxen without examining them first and then married a wife and therefore I cannot come in that day. You know, that wasn't considered to be a very good excuse at all to put your wife in front of a, a, a great banquet. These excuses were actually lies. They, they weren't true at all.
I see. Aha. Uh-huh. I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. They weren't. You don't think they were legitimate excuses. Uh, you don't think that they even were telling the truth. Yeah. For example, I've got two cars. And um, if you give me uh, $4,000, you can have them. Would you do that immediately? <laughs> Not without looking at them. <laughs> exactly. And that's what these excuses were. So this is really a good parable. And in light of the fact that the East and the West is used in the Bible, means that from all areas of the world, the multitude comes. So let's begin by going with the first stanza, if you would, please. Okay. A multitude comes from the East and the West to sit at the Feast of Salvation. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. So, why do you think that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are mentioned? Well, that, now that is mentioned in the Luke passage for this Sunday. It says toward the end of that passage, In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourself cast out. Yes. And then it says, verse 29, and the people will come from the east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And it really fits back into the parable because Jesus says, Some are last who will be first. Yeah. And some are first who will be last. And so this is really a a good hymn for this Sunday in light of the gospel reading. Are are you preaching on the gospel reading? Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to deal more with uh, Hebrews. But be that as it may, you can still bring in the other part. But... This is interesting to to note, to sit at the Feast of Salvation. Who did not believe that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were alive? Who did not believe that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were alive? Oh, um, I'm I'm trying to think, uh, was that Jesus' adversaries? That's right, Right. because he said... uh, uh, Jesus told them, uh, "Oh, how was that? Now uh, they didn't okay. know it was the it was the Sadducees. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. Excellent. Remember Excellent. that they did not believe the resurrection. And Jesus says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is not a God of the dead, but of the living. For all live to him. So yeah, those stupid Sadducees didn't even believe in the resurrection. And." They only believed in Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. So yeah, they Jesus threw out the prophets. They didn't believe in the prophets. From their, their, what was they, that? They did not believe in the, the, the prophets, just those uh, first books of Moses. Well, there were prophets that they believed in. Uh, Moses was a prophet. What they no, didn't about- believe... Is that, I'm talking about the, the major prophets and the minor prophets. They didn't accept. They didn't accept those books. 
Yeah, those. But they certainly believe the first five books. And that's why Jesus, as I was saying, used the first five books to prove to them that they already confessed that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were real. Or right. else God is a God of the dead, not of the living. That was a good yeah. thing you brought up. Yeah, they All also right, didn't believe verse. in the angels either. Right. Verse 2. Oh verse God, two. let us hear when our shepherd shall call in accents persuasive and tender that while there is time, we make haste one and all and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Now, the phrase that I think really needs to be explained, especially if you're going over this hymn with your children, in accents persuasive and tender. What does the word accents mean there? Hmm, yeah. Well, that's one of those words I just went right over and didn't give much thought. But, but uh, it, it, you, we want to be winsome. We want to be winsome with the gospel. Uh, well said. We don't want to just cast it out and uh, and be monotoned in our in our approach, but uh, we want to be as winsome as possible and do as 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 good a job as we're able to preach the law and the gospel. In, in now, a, which we, of we want those have, two? We want to have passion. We want to have passion in our voice and uh, per persuasiveness, right? Now, you but said law and gospel. Which of those two are the proper accents that are persuasive and tender? The gospel. Yes. Very important to understand that. There is no tenderness when the, when the law is preached. Because no. that accuses us of not being able to meet God's demands. And so... So what were the... Two, two characteristics of Jesus. Law and gospel. And verse 2. Verse 2. Uh, yes. Uh, he was uh, persuasive and tender. He's a shepherd. He calls in accents persuasive and tender. Yes. And what's the other characteristic in the last line? And find him our mighty defender. Right. So Jesus is both the shepherd and the defender. How, how do those two fit together? He is our. He's our. Let's see. What was he? He's he's tender, and he's also our. He mighty and defender. Uh, he's, tender to he's tender to what? a sheep. He's tender to a sheep. Well, he's um, also a defender. Right. Watch out for those that would attack his sheep. Yeah. What did David do when he was a shepherd? Oh, he would uh, he would fight off any uh, predators or right. uh, anyone try to steal the sheep. He would fight them off. Exactly. With his sling. Okay. Stanza three. All trials shall be like a dream that is past. Forgotten all trouble and mourning. All questions and doubts have been answered at last when rises the light of that morning. 
Then it says, have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Yes, that, that refrain is in all verses. Right, at the end of each verse. Mm-hmm. And so we need to include that. All trials will sh- shall be like a dream that is past. Do you ever have a dream you wake up and you can't remember it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I uh, I rarely... I had a dream last night. I won't even tell you. It's so funny. But, <laughs> but oh, go uh, ahead. No, I can't. No. <laughs> it's All a right. little too parochial. It's a very hey. It's a very Lutheran dream. Let me tell you. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> but anyway. Um, all, all the trials, you know, that's where that's the way it will be when uh, when our Lord ushers us into that new heaven and new earth. Uh, it's after the judgment, and He takes us into the new heaven and new earth, where we'll live for all eternity, body and soul. And uh, all the all the trials, you know, there will be no more tears, no sorrows. All the trials that we underwent through our earthly life will be like a dream that has passed. You 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 won't even remember them. Yeah, that's really important. Although I really enjoy nightmares that I remember. <laughs> why? Oh, man, they're bad. They can be bad. Yeah. But why do I enjoy them? I don't know, Tom. You're a little bit different. <laughs> because they're not true. It's yes, yes. Yeah, what a relief that is. You are right. When yes. you wake up from a nightmare, what a relief. Yep. So, forgotten all trouble and mourning. Now, mourning is spelled not like afternoon mourning. What kind of mourning is it? It's a type of mourning that you go at like at a funeral when you're yes. uh, you're grieved of a loss of a loved one, that sort of thing. Yeah, that's really hard to understand. That when we get to heaven, we won't have any mourning. But will we not know those of our friends and loved ones who are not in heaven? Well, I'm led to think, no, there'll be no more tears. Uh, There'll be no sorrows. Um, I don't know if we'll even... I don't even know if they'll even be in our thoughts anymore, Uh, those that are not there. There can't be. Uh, There won't be any sorrow at all. Yeah, that's maybe, really... Maybe, maybe we'll be filled with such understanding that we'll understand yeah. why these people did not arrive in, arrive in heaven with us. Yeah, that's because the mind of Jesus is the one who says uh, in our text for the gospel that, behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. So that makes yes. it pretty clear yeah. that we've got a real problem. But we won't well, have that problem. Well, wait, wait. when it says some are first who will be last, and the last will be first, if even if they're last, would, shouldn't we assume that, they, that they're in heaven with us, even if they're the last? Well, that's what the parable was about. The first who were invited did not come because they made excuses. But the last who were invited did come. That's what that parable is all about. I don't know. You know, 
my wife is not going to probably like this, but but she says all the time, "Look, I don't care whether I'm first or last. I just want to make it." <laughs> well, in the parable, the first don't make it, uh-huh. but the, the last do, and, and the last are those on the highways, the poor, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Beatitudes said: "Blessed are the poor in spirit." In other words, those of us who don't have enough good works to offset our sins, we may be first in those who are invited, but because of our unbelieving excuses, and you hit that on the head when you talked about they didn't believe in Jesus, therefore they are not part of the kingdom of God. You mentioned the poor in spirit. Uh, the poor in spirit, I would uh, describe by the, the, the publican in the temple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, that's the person who's poor in spirit. He realizes that he has no hope apart from Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's where Jesus says in the parable, verse 21 of Luke 14, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. See, those people were not allowed in the temple proper by the Pharisees. And all of us, to some degree, are crippled, blind, lame, and poor in regard to salvation. But I agree. we're brought in because God pays for our salvation through the death of Christ on the cross. Purely by grace. Okay, stanza four, please. The heavens shall ring with anthem more with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall receive at His hand the crown to the victors awarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. So, this is talking about the promise to Abraham. And a lot of people don't really realize that the greatest promise we have in the Bible is not the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins is definitely a promise, but it leads to the ultimate promise that Abraham was given. And that promise was that he was going to go to a new land. And that new land for him was, of course, heaven. And that's the greatest promise that a Christian can receive. That is, is right. Eternal life in heaven. Absolutely. With Jesus. And that's why in heaven we will ring with an anthem more grand. Uh, what's an anthem? An anthem is like a uh, a great hymn. Uh, yes. An epic hymn. Yeah, it's interesting that when we hear great hymns, we, we really love them. We get emotionally attached to them. In, in fact, um, do you usually choose the hymns at a funeral, or do you ask the people who are survivors what they want to sing? Well, I give them an opportunity if, if, uh, to, to suggest a hymn, but I, I, yeah, I usually choose most of them. They, they may have one or two that they liked, uh, but uh, I will choose the the rest and uh, sometimes they don't have any suggestions at all and I, I choose them all then 
Yeah, sometimes we have a situation where they'll choose a hymn that's not in our Lutheran hymnal, and it really isn't Christ-centered. Mm-hmm, right. But it has a happy tune, and they like singing it. And so I'll explain to them why it may be inappropriate for a funeral and try and stick with something that gives comfort uh, for the survivors. That's right. You want comfort. Absolutely. Yes. Now, this anthem we're going to sing is better than any anthem that ever was recorded on earth. Boy, that's hard to believe. You're talking about the anthem. anthem. You're talking about the anthem when we get to when we get to that new heaven and new earth. Exactly. Right. right. And therefore the blessed of the Lord shall receive at his hand the crown to the victors awarded. And we get that crown that Jesus won for us. Right. Well, thanks for helping through a multitude comes from the east and the west, especially with Bible verses talking about the east and the west referring to all peoples. On Tomorrow Law and Gospel, we'll look at Proverbs. Until then, God Listen bless Listen to Law and Gospel you. each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.